It's time for Love Talk for the Love Ladies, Kathy, Carrie, and Evelyn. Love talking today about risks with two very special guests. Thank you, Gabby. This is Evelyn, uh, the lady at, at war today. <laughs> so many things are coming in, and we're excited about that. I want to thank you for joining us uh, for Love Talk here at KTXW, The Bridge in Austin, Texas, at 101.1. And 11.20 a.m. And Central Texas Christian Talk. We are building bridges of love and leadership today, Miss Evelyn. And we just love it that we get to be here with you in studio. Friends, this is Kathy Enderbrock live in studio in Austin, Texas. Love it. And with the amazing Coach Carrie Brinkader. I love seeing your faces, not over a screen, but like... Just seeing your faces this morning. It is a beautiful thing to see you, Kathy, and we're so happy that you're in Texas and in studio today. Friends, I just have to tell you, it's so funny. Um, Kathy's husband dropped her off at my house this morning, and she walks out of the car, and Kathy and I have on exactly the same blouse, <laughs> the same shirt, <laughs> uh, uh, in different colors, and yeah. we live uh Five states away from each other, and our brains are in sync, Miss Evelyn. Look what at about that. Me? I, I, you know, we, well, I guess we accidentally left you out, Miss oh, Evelyn. But well, you outdress you. us every single day, so we, we can't even pretend to um, have the fashion sense that you do. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Carrie and I are in a, a, a cotton top, and I will say, now I love this top even more because every time I look at it, it will remind me of you. <laughs> But also, so Coach Carrie Brinkgater is this tall, slim, good-looking chick, and I'm like five foot five, <laughs> and probably ten pounds overweight, and we both look good in our shirts. We so do. are a very versatile shirt. Of course, Miss Evelyn is in her very Vogue black and white mm-hmm. jacket with a beautiful cream top and a, a black and white uh, hat. And a gorgeous gold cross necklace. So Miss Evelyn always dresses better oh, than, yes. than anyone in the room. Always. But we're, always. we're all looking good this morning, friends. We hope you are feeling good this morning. If you have that cup of coffee in your hand first thing on a Saturday morning, we're glad that you can be with us. We're talking about taking risks today. We're going to be um, having some amazing guests call in and sharing with us a new book, Women Who Risk. And uh, and we want to talk about risks today because we want to talk about what risks are we willing to take. Friends, what, what risks are you willing to take? Uh, and we think, what do we think when we hear the word risks? I mean, our, our idea, my idea of a risk might sound something like, should I risk taking a long shower when I only have 45 minutes before I have to arrive at my <laughs> meeting? What's traffic going to be like? <laughs> you know, my, my college student daughter at Baylor, her idea of risk might be, uh, hey, I really want to go out with my friends this weekend, but I have a organic uh, chemist <laughs> test coming up. Do I want to risk doing bad on my exam? <laughs> and so these are all ideas of risk, but not the kind of risk that we're going to be talking about today. Mm-hmm. We are going to press kind of higher and deeper at the same time talking about the type of risks women in the Middle East take every single day to embrace Christ and live for him. Mm. That's a lot of risk. That's a lot of risk. I don't think in my Western mind I can actually grasp uh, some of the things that we're going to be talking about today with our special guests because the risk that we take here, oh, should I quit this job for a better job, right? That's risky to us. Um, we're talking life and death situations here today uh, with our special guest, and I'm so excited for our program. Well, you know, I think the biggest thing that I have going on in my life is looking back. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's risky business. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what else they're going to pull up. But, uh, <laughs> and I have I disciplined myself from talking to you guys. I went. I had a doctor's appointment yesterday. My, as we've talked before, I was a stutterer as a child, and when I got to be, I think about thirteen or fourteen, that went away. Well, it's come back, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's. You know, they're trying to look to see if there's been some shift in. You know, will they what a meeting or whatever. And so when I got home, I thought. You know, this is the craziest thing I've ever done in my 90 years. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it is exciting when we stop and think about how important we are to God. Mm -hmm. Mm. Think about it. 
What would this world be like without the Holy Spirit? Well, you know, I think about the risk that God takes for each of us. And and I know, friends, that when we think about the idea of risk, it, it's it's risky because we don't know what's going to happen on the other side. And mm-hmm. But, you know, God, when he sent Christ to die for us on the cross, it wasn't he knew going into it he wasn't going to get an automatic yes from us. We weren't automatically going to go, oh, look at what he did, that while we were still sinners, mm-hmm. he, he, he died for us. We weren't going to accept him straight away, but God says, hey, I'm going to do it anyway because I love you that much. And it's, I mean, I think it's a life-changing risk when we step, when we take that step of faith and say yes to God. Well, you know, and I can't remember what book it is. I, <laughs> it puts me in the dark. Um, the scripture says, where God said, call on me and I will answer you yes. mm-hmm. and show you great and mighty things which you've never seen. And it's, it's Nehemiah, Nehemiah, I think. Anyway, the point is, is that we don't know what God's got planned for us. Mm-hmm. We just know that he will care for us and uh, provide for us as these times like we're living in right now come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we've seen a lot of providing and a lot of mighty things in your life over the last 90 years, Miss Evelyn. We, uh, we, I mean, I just, I can't, I can't believe it. 90 years old, you are on radio every week. You're sharing the love of Christ with those around you. You are spreading joy and you're continuing to get out there and do your thing. You know, that is uh, puzzling to me, too. But, you know, when you come to that point where you totally surrender yourself and all your possessions to God's plan for your life, then things change. That was one of the hardest things when we left the ranch and moved to Austin because of Anne's job. I was, it took me a year to get to the point where I knew where I was and where I was going. And, and that was like 40 years ago. So when you look back and then you look where you are right now, it is so easy to get disturbed, but it's also great to shout hallelujah. Well, you <laughs> and know, I feel like that's what we're doing today. We are shouting hallelujah today, but Miss Evelyn, that was a risk, right? That yes, you were willing to take with the man that you love, um, you know, leaving what you knew and what you loved in a place that you knew and that you loved. Heading to a place where you did not want to go, um, Austin, and uh, you made the best of it when you moved here, and you just jumped in and loved on people, and you took a risk. Um, the verse that Miss Evelyn was quoting just a, <clears throat> a few minutes ago is Jeremiah thirty-three three. Call you said Nehemiah. It's class really close, Miss Evelyn. Jeremiah thirty-three three. Call unto me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Mm-hmm. You know, when we are listening to God and we take that risk, he says, oh, hold on for the ride, kiddo, because I'm about to show you some great and mighty mm-hmm. things that you never fathomed possible. And that's what you did when you came here to Austin, Miss Evelyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with Love Talk, this is our 30, this is Miss Evelyn's 36th year. First, 36 Being years. the first lady of love. Um, and because of you lovely ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do this by myself. Well, one of our favorite couples um, is going to be on the program today. And they have trusted God with their journey um, into uncharted territory. And they continue to reach out those Reach out to those who are not forgotten by God. Those are all book titles um, mm-hmm. uh, by this couple, by one or the other, or both of them. And, friends, we are not forgotten by God. He sees us. He knows us. He wants to intimately know us. And as Kathy mentioned before, you know, his journey to the cross was 100% planned, and he knew that we would struggle with that as humans in our human flesh. Uh, but he did it anyway, and that's the ultimate, ultimate sacrifice and gift of love for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we have a, you know, we're talking about hallelujahs. We have a huge hallelujah coming up, and it is called Easter in mm-hmm. just yeah. a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my uh, my middle daughter, Jordan, they've been, they, the our girls carry your kiddos, too. They've gone to classical Christian school, which is an amazing education, Um so up in Idaho, are they've been studying 
uh, Lent and the, what 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 is Lent and the 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 teacher was talking a little bit about fasting and and the teacher said well you know I'm going to be fasting I pick two days a week and I fast every week you know leading up to Easter beginning at Lent and so um, our kiddos have never like fast done a food fast before but they've seen Eric and I do it and so Jordan came home and she said I think I want to fast will you and Daddy fast mm. with me. And I'm like, well, what are you fasting from? And she goes, no, 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 fast, like a real fast. And I'm like, oh, a food food fast. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I said, well, you you know, we're not going to fast every day from Lent to Easter. Like, that literally would, no, would, that would not us. work. So right. not, yes, and that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. So she says, well, I want to just choose two days a week. And I said, well, you're a teenage girl. You're involved in sports. I said, how about we do one day a week? But when you fast, you're going to still have to do protein shakes. Like, I, I'm not comfortable with you just doing a water fast for, you know, a full 24-hour period. And she and I said, it will still be difficult. Your body is still going to rebel against it. And I said, you'll need to pull a scripture to kind of meditate on throughout the day to help get you through it. But, yes, Daddy and I will do it. So every Wednesday, starting at Lent, she has been uh, fasting. And she's like, this is hard. <laughs> Why do people do this? And, and um, But it's neat because she gets to see. I said, you know, it's based on that principle of the Lord uh, that, that Christ said. Man does not live on bread alone, but from mm-hmm. every word that comes from the mouth of God, the mouth of the Father. And mm-hmm. and I said, so when you are meditating on that word of God during this fast, you are nourishing your spirit mm-hmm. rather than nourishing your body. And You know, I had a, one of my favorite players of all time. She would fast once a week as well. And she... Um, you know, we'd have these deep conversations the day before or the day after her fast about how it it really helped her to clear her mind and focus on the things that are most important, um, her relationship with Jesus and how she portrays that to mm-hmm. others. And I just, you know, for a young woman, 17, 18, 19 years old, to, um, to really understand that, I'm so proud of Jordan. Uh, I guess it's been two weeks. Yeah. It's been two weeks. Yeah. So yesterday was probably a, uh, or I guess this past Wednesday was, was probably the, a, a the, hard the, day for her. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But has she noticed any anything that she's um, been able to meditate on that has really affected her in this short amount of time? You know, she hasn't, I'm, we haven't really talked about, so she shares the scripture with Eric and I, and then we'll talk about the scripture over dinner while Faithy is eating. He's eating dinner in front of you. <laughs> and oh, we're oh, kind of uh. sitting down with our water. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, gosh, nothing comes to mind. I think she is just proud that she says, I can, I can do this. Yeah. Like she's starting to really take hold of her faith and that it's not mm. her faith because of mommy and daddy. It is her faith, her faith with the Lord, her relationship with the Lord. And, um, you know, there's a relationship that we have with this couple. I, mm-hmm. I would just say they are our favorite love talk couple. And I want to I want to uh, introduce them. They're going to be joining us in the next segment, but we only have about a minute and a half left in this segment. Um, today joining us is Tom and Joanne Doyle. They are founders of Not Forgotten, which is a nonprofit group dedicated to ministering to women in the Middle East. They reach out to Jewish and Muslim wisdom or Jewish and Muslim women with the love of Christ, um, inspiring others to join them. The Not Forgotten team has ministered in Israel, Gaza, the West Bank, Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, Afghanistan, India, Syria. All of these places you probably notice um, from being in the news is not very pleasant places to live. Mm-hmm. Um Tom and Joanne also founded Uncharted with with the vision to sound the alarm and inspire believers to join God's great harvest among Jews and Muslims. They have been guests on various TV and radio programs, including uh, 100 Huntley Street, Focus on the Family, Moody Radio, Charlie Dyer, and others. They co-wrote the the book Breakthrough, The Return of Hope in the Middle East, and their latest project has just been released, Women Who Risk, Secret Agents for Jesus in a Muslim World. It is a collection of riveting real-life stories about uh, of women in the Middle East that takes you deep into the heart of the Muslim world, and you get to see the overwhelming power of Christ at work. You're going to want to get this book. It will inspire you and change your understanding 
of what Christ is doing in these days. They've been married for over 38 years, have six children, seven grandchildren. You are going to get to meet them as soon as uh, we get back for our second segment. We're going to go to break now and hear from our amazing sponsors who keep Love Talk on the air. You're going to want to know them as well as, as well as we do. Friends, stay with us for Love Talk right after this. And welcome back, friends. This is Kathy Enderbrock with Love Talk on 101.1 FM and 1120 AM, The Bridge, Austin, Central Texas Christian Talk. We are building bridges of love and leadership today, reaching all the way across to Israel and what's happening in the Middle East. There is a new book out by one of our absolutely favorite couples, Tom and Joanne Doyle have uh, put together a book called Women Who Risk, Secret Agents for Jesus in a Muslim World. Friends, this is a collection of just riveting real-life stories that take you deep into the heart of the Muslim world, Saudi Arabia, Syria, the Gaza Strip, and other hot spots to see the overwhelming power of Christ at work. He is alive and well, and he is at work doing amazing things that are, I mean, just almost hard to believe. If I did not know the heart of Tom and Joanne Doyle and the fact that they were getting all of these accounts firsthand, I would think, surely, this has got to be a fiction book. And to realize that this is nonfiction chronicling what Christ is doing in these days, it will blow your mind. Tom and Joanne, thank you so much for joining us on Love Talk today. Oh, gosh, thank you for having us. You're one of our favorite shows to be on, so thank you. Yeah, it's great to be with you again. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, Miss Evelyn, you always like to ask our guests a special question. What, what brought, was it that brought you to come to understand that Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life? Mm. Well, I grew up in a uh, God-fearing family, uh, very religious, and it was in high school where I met young people that were going to Young Life and a couple of real cool churches in our area that was just so different from what I what I'd ever heard before, I went to Young Life one night, and a guy spoke from John 14, the way, the truth, and the life, for probably no more than five minutes, maybe 10, 10 max, and I knew right then my life needed to change, and I knew I needed to accept Jesus as Savior, and within a month, it happened. You know, that's yes. exciting to go back to the beginning. Um, uh, Yes, and for me, Evelyn, I was um, 16 years old, almost 17, raised in a religious home, but God felt so far away, and I started having such scary, scary nightmares at night. They would wake me up, and I'd be afraid to go to bed at night, and finally, I was so desperate and so fearful that I asked a friend of mine, I said, I don't know what to do with these dreams. This is what's happening. I call out to God. That's the only thing I know to do, and he said, well, Joanne, if you give your life to Jesus, if he's living within you, nothing can happen to you. Now, of course, that's coming from a 16-year-old, but um, and then she started sharing the truth of Scripture with me. And that was the first time I had heard the gospel, and I knew that it was truth. And so right then, then and there, I prayed with my friend, Yvonne was her name, gave my life to Jesus, went off to a Christian Bible camp for the summer, and my life was radically transformed. And from there, I thought, I need to study the Bible. So I went to Biola Bible College and met Tom. That's where we met. <laughs> and I just love the marriage that you have. And I, you know, I just, I love that Jesus loves marriages and he wants to bless marriages. Mm-hmm. And I love the journey that he's brought you both on. Joanne, the the fact that you say what brought you to Jesus was scary dreams, and yet I see you boldly and courageously stepping into very scary circumstances with incredible faith. One of the things that you say in your bio, Joanne, is that worship and prayer are the heart of your life along with a deep love for your family. So help me to understand how did worship, prayer, and a deep love for family Turn into risking your life to reach and encourage Muslim and Jewish women. Well, first of all, Kathy, I said love that question, and nobody has ever asked me that before. It's a and first. It is a first, and it is. I'm going to remember this question. It's beautiful. You know, prayer, worship, God's word. That is what's taken me deeper into the heart of God, and then of course. 
that um, plays out in how I we love my, I love my husband, how we love our children. And then God started opening my vision to see more as my children, our children, started getting older. There's a whole world out there that desperately needs Jesus. And I wanted them, Muslim women specifically, to know the intimacy and the love that Jesus offers. And I would look at these women, you know, shrouded in their black veils and their eyes carrying such pain. And I thought, oh, Lord Jesus, how can I share with them the relationship that they can have with you to set them free from the pain that they're walking in? So I guess that's how it started. And then also God began breaking my heart with his love, rushing it to my heart for these women. It wasn't a natural love I have for them. It is truly a divine spiritual love that's come straight from the throne of God. It's, it's beautiful. This book, friends, Women Who Risk, Secret Agents for Jesus in the Muslim World, it is gripping. It will make you cry. It will make you shout hallelujah. It is, you know, for the Western world, um, I think that we are desensitized to the greatness and the bigness of our Savior, Jesus. And, and Joanne, these women, they put everything at risk for Jesus. Their stories, uh, I mean, you will jump for joy at these stories and what Jesus is doing in the lives of these daughters of God. If someone were to say to you, Jesus doesn't appear to people, he only he's only going to appear when he returns at his second coming, mm. what would you say? Mm. Well, first of all, our God is so big, and he is full of surprises. And I love that scripture, of course, is our our foundation, right? So we always go back to God's word and we see throughout the pages of scripture, Jesus or angels appearing to people. You know, Joseph had dreams, right? And we so we see the dream thing carried through scripture, but he also would come and appear to people. So as we talk to Muslims who have had dreams of Jesus or these supernatural encounters, first of all, my thought is, Lord, I want one of those. Exactly. <laughs> I want one of those dreams. I want it with you but you know when you're in a world that is so dark and so mm. full of hopelessness and then Jesus appears on the scene oh my gosh that is going to help these women make a radical cultural and religious faith transition like nothing else would so yeah Jesus is coming back soon in his second coming but he's still coming to us now individually because every soul matters and you know I think we had to grapple with this getting into the Middle East because the faith dynamic was so different there so elevated that who are we to impose our beliefs on God and mm-hmm. tell him what he can do right. that's a pretty weak God mm-hmm. and so um, we God showed us things that we never thought would happen. I mean, dreams, visions, things like that. Praying for people, and God did a miracle, and they were healed. We didn't come out of an assembly of God. We weren't expecting it, right? But I didn't know it was there. But one believer said this to us. He's a former Muslim. And he said, I hear American Christians ask each other this question. Does God still do miracles? Mm. He said, that question should never be on the table mm-hmm. for believers. Mm-hmm. Of course he does. We have a prayer hearing and a prayer right. answering God. The only question for us Christians is this. Are we praying big enough prayers and expecting God mm-hmm. to do a miracle? Mm-hmm. Do we expect, expect him to? It. Yeah. That is that that is so true. I you know, I, I love that you say that one day, you know, Christ is going to return and at that time um, every eye will see and every knee will bow. Um, but right now he is appearing one-on-one, personally, smaller groups. Mm-hmm. And there's one story that you share. Now, you do share seven just incredible stories of 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 individual encounters and visions and rescues and revelation. But there's one particular one that really stood out for me because of the location of where it happened um, where Jesus actually appeared to many people at once standing above the Kaaba, which is, um, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right, it's the holiest place for all Muslims in the entire <laughs> world. And he he not only appears standing above this holy place in Mecca, but Jesus appears there during the Hajj, which is an annual Islamic pilgrimage where millions of Muslim, Muslims um, save you sometimes for a lifetime in order to make the pilgrimage there. 
And so what I want to know is when everyone saw Jesus appearing there, did they recognize immediately, oh, that's Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world? I mean, when Muslims see Christ, what do they see and what do they think they're seeing? Well, you know, the interesting thing is that he identifies himself. I'm Jesus. Or if he doesn't say it at that point, they have a knowing deep in their heart. Now, contrast this with Islam, where Muhammad had visions, and he says it was the angel Gabriel, pronounced Jabril in Arabic, but he was horrified. Mm. He didn't know if it was from God or the devil. Mm. And that's what sets Christianity apart from Islam. You never see that happening Mm -hmm. in the Bible. When uh, Jeremiah was called, or Moses, there was a holy respect and a fear that maybe they didn't have the ability or they had excuses, but they never said, hey, let's flip a coin. Is that God or the devil? Not even close. They They knew. And so I think what is miraculous about this, ladies, is that there are former Muslims who are now believers in the Middle East, and it's still going to say Muslim on their passport. Every Middle East country has a religion, so they could pass to go to Mecca. That are yeah. going there into the heart of Islam, getting in that line, going around the Kaaba stone, praying for every Muslim they lie their eyes mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. You talk about risky. If they were caught, there would be no court case. They'd be dragged out of the line and beheaded mm-hmm. immediately. And last time, it didn't happen last year because of COVID. The year before, there were six thousand. Muslim background believers, born-again Christians that come from a Muslim background, in Mecca, going around the Kaaba stone, praying for Muslims to meet Jesus. And that's just wow. the ones we know of. There could be more. Um, yeah. And the interesting thing, too, friends, is that um, when this, when we talk about this in the book and this one particular story, not everybody saw Jesus. It was only the ones that he was seeking either to draw to himself or those that he had already revealed himself to. So the mass crowds didn't see Jesus. It was just certain ones throughout that crowd. So, again, that just shows, shows the infiniteness of our God. You know, as Tom said, he can do anything he wants. That's right. He chooses the ones that he is drawing to himself, those that he knows whose hearts are tender and open to finding truth. He is so good that he can. he will open our eyes to be able to see him and You know, I think that's so much so, you know, God says that you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And so, I mean, friends, those of you who are hearing this message, I just encourage you, have a willing spirit. Seek after God. Uh, Tell him, Lord, I am willing to have my eyes open. Um, I want to know who you are because those friends, those are the hearts that God is after, those hearts that are seeking after him. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we don't, uh, this is what I love about God is that we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have things pulled together. We can be a hot mess. Mm -hmm. But when we are seeking after God, he can take that hot mess and turn it into something beautiful and um it, it reminds me of this one story that, that you shared, and I was actually sharing it. Um, Carrie and I were discussing it with her mom on the drive down here, and it's this story that you titled The Worst Marriage in Syria, and, and I just loved it. And I just love all the different little titles that you put on each chapter because it makes me want to turn the page and find out what it's all about. Um, but it really looked at, it kind of pulled the the curtain back on the daily abuse that a large majority of Muslim wives live through in the Middle East as part of an accepted culture and, and a complete lack of women's rights within Sharia law. And uh, it chronicles this marriage, and I'm going to kind of, you know, ruin the chapter for those of you who, re- I mean, nothing can ruin this chapter, but I'm going to kind of give you the end story. This um, husband, Muhammad, beats his wife mercilessly. I mean, we're talking knocked out, pools of blood on the floor, has multiple affairs that are condoned uh, by Sharia law because of the way that they arrange it. You know, they uh, marry someone, Mm -hmm. have the affair, and then turn around and and divorce him. It's accepted practice. Um, and, And I just love how Muhammad and Dina shared so openly and so honestly about what their marriage looked like before Jesus stepped in 
and then they were so forthcoming about the complete transformation that took place and the forgiveness that was required in order to see that complete transformation within their lives personally and within their marriage. So I I just, if there were anything further about that story that's not written in the book that you wanted to share with us and, and explain to us why is it that abuse of women is so acceptable among Muslims and how does this... Mm-hmm you know, kind of open the door to their their hearts? And, and does it apply to Muslims living in America? I mean, are, do, do they go through this as well? Mm. Well, you know, um, goodness, we can't say that every Muslim couple we've met has that kind of a life. There are truly some loving couples mm-hmm. we've met in Iran and Syria, Jordan, and all of that uh, area that we've traveled in. But it does sanction it in the Quran. It talks about beating your wife. And that, her be, line. <laughs> that became normalized by the religion. That, that became a part of the religious doctrine of Islam. And so it became widespread acceptance. And um, sadly, I mean, when, when they came out of this, um, Mohammed and Dina just had an incredible love for each other. And I remember after interviewing them, and Joanne and I, as they're telling us their story, we're pinching each other saying, this could be a yeah, movie. I mean, really, you wonder if people are going to even be able to fathom it. Mm-hmm. But not only do we see the power of Jesus move to save lives, we see the power of his reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And so he beat her almost every day. He's got three scamming businesses where he makes millions. He thinks he's just the king. And he has 66 other wives and the way he treated his wife and kids. But then he comes to faith in Christ and she observed the changes that Jesus brought to his life over several, several months, almost up to a year. But then when she comes to faith in Christ, she's at a crossroads. Am I going to forgive him? Yes. And she did. And she said, God replaced all of them with just this deep love for them. So we traveled in the Middle East for 25 years, and listen, one thing they don't do there is PDA. (laughs) Right? Right. Display of affection. They were like honeymooners. They couldn't walk by each other without a little touch or a little kiss Mm -hmm. or a little handhold. It was amazing. They looked like they were on their honeymoon. Look at what Jesus did to the worst marriage in Syria. He made it. Best. One of the you things. Another, go ahead, Joanne. Story, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, but another part of their story that stood out to me is, you know, we look at Mohammed and, and the way he was beating his wife and the way he would talk to her and treat her. And then, you know, having these 66 other temporary wives, it was horrific. But then, you know, all sin is sin in God's eyes. And sweet Dina said, you know, my sin, I had to get over my hatred. I wanted right. to, I didn't just want to divorce my husband. I wanted him dead. And, mm. and then the lack of forgiveness. So it's easy to, for us to, I think, focus on his sin, especially as women. We look at that and think, how would we endure yeah, that? Right. But yet on the other side, you know, Dina could only focus on her own sin, her own stained heart of this hatred. And it just shows us how critical forgiveness is. And with as much as she went through, she also realized, yes, she could make the choice, but she needed the strength of Jesus to truly give her the, the power to forgive this man who had done so much. But as soon as she made that choice, as soon as she laid down at the foot of the cross, she said not only did God take away all that hatred and all the hurt and all the anger, all of that, he flooded me with this love for my husband. And, and she said something that really was beautiful, that was a shift, I think, that made a shift in her heart. She said, you know, how do you, you can forgive, but how do you forget? Yeah. And she said, what my husband said to me through finding love in Christ was, Dina, I love you, only you. And that knowledge right there set both of them free. That's right. And then the beautiful rest of the story is is, um, during this time before Jesus, they had two children. And then after they come to faith in Christ, God blesses them with a third child. And this little one, um, her name means joy. And Mm -hmm. she, when we met them, she was only, she was toddling around, just learning to walk, a little over a year old. But have you ever seen those babies that are always smiling, always happy? (laughs) That is who this little girl is. She is a picture of what God has done in both of their hearts and what he's done in their marriage. So all of this says only God, truly only God can accomplish these things. 
Well, I love in the book how Dina says that she was in worse shape emotionally, physically, and spiritually than Mohammed. And mm-hmm. that hatred was embedded so deeply in her because of everything she had endured, listening to Mohammed in the other room with these other women and just the physical abuse. Um, and she says two things that she, two important lessons that she's learned after coming to know Christ, that Jesus forgave me of my sins, which were many, which you guys just talked about, because she had this hatred that was so deep. And only Jesus could, could just run in and, and wipe all that away. But here's the other thing that she learned. As Christians, we believe Jesus performs life changing miracles Mm, we pray for these miracles but do we really expect it Mm -hmm. and wow that's convicting to me um to not put god in a box he's so much bigger than we can ever ever fathom you know tom and joanne as we pick up this book and and as as our listening friends pick up this book um, what is your greatest hope and prayer for those that read Women Who Risk Secret Agents for Jesus in the Muslim World? We pray that believers, and that's a great question, will be willing to risk themselves. And I think we have to ask ourselves, do we have just a safe faith? Just we're going to church, we're hearing good sermons. Oh, that was pretty good. Probably not as good as last week. You know, are we in this comfortable Christianity The world is in your face today. Evil is good, and good is evil, and we're in a cultural divide. And it's time for the body of Christ to stand up with a no-fear attitude, winsomely sharing the gospel. And I think when you look at Dina's life that we were just talking about, she became the gospel sharer. She would go into the camps. And one time, uh, a terrorist group invaded the camp. They heard someone was in there preaching Jesus. It was Dina, and she gets a text from Muhammad, two words, get out. But she doesn't leave at that point because she is just minutes away from leading Muslim women to prayer. They hold hands, they pray, and they all kind of disperse, and she gets away. She was willing to risk, and she said this, we know we're going to die for Jesus. So whether it's today or 20 years, we're ready. So if we're going to die, why not die for Jesus? That's a risk attitude. We, we love that. And I'm so grateful that for now we live in a nation where we can share Jesus with someone and not put our life at risk. And now, Tom, you have a special text group that you send out uh, kind of text uh, messages or challenges or scripture. And you've recently put out what I would call a great Easter challenge of a risk that you would like people to take. Lisa Curley forwarded it to me and I had a a read through it leading up to Easter that there's a risk that you would like believers to take in preparation to reaching out to others for Easter. What what is that risk? Well, the risk is to share the gospel with at least one person between now and Resurrection Sunday. And one of the easiest ways to do it is with immigrants, maybe Muslims that are here. Uh, typically, if you take an Uber, yes. it's going to be driven by a Muslim. If you take an Uber to the airport or somewhere, look for people. Look for people that probably are Middle Eastern, but this works with anyone. And you can just say to them, listen, uh, you're probably wondering what's this all about, Easter and that, but it's not about eggs and it's not about bunnies. Can I just tell you why this is so important to me? And they will let you. Muslims will let you do that. I think most people will if they see it's from your heart and it's in a winsome way, not condemning. Can't be finger pointing Pharisees. We got to show the love of Christ in how we even share the gospel. And they will see in your heart what a difference it's made, how important it is to you. So we're challenging. We have a couple hundred on our Bible text. We're glad Lisa and Jim are on it. And uh, they took the challenge. They said, we're in. And going to try to share the gospel with one person at least before Easter. That is a great challenge. Well, I, I can't believe our segment is coming to an end. Thank you, Tom and Joanne, for being on Love Talk. How can people connect with you? Mm-hmm. They can go to our website, which would be wonderful. It's kind of called, or it is, um, unchartedministriesplural.com. And there's a lot of ways they can get involved. They can get involved in praying, uh, going on a trip perhaps. 
Uh, and there's some fun stories on there that they can read too. Something other than what's in the book. Yeah. To get the rest of the story. I right. love that. <laughs> well, That's right. It is always a pleasure. I know you are planning a trip to Israel with a large group. We'd love to get you back on after that trip and hear all about it. Thank you so much. God bless everything that you're doing. Uh, and it was just a pleasure to have you on. Thank you both again. Oh, thank you. We appreciate it so much, ladies. God bless you. We really do. It was an honor to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Listening friends, we will return to Love Talk right after this. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Love Talk. Oh, my stars. I pray that you heard our last segment with Tom and Joanne Doyle. They have written a book together. Um, This is nonfiction, friends. These are true accounts of women who risk a secret secret agents for Jesus in the Muslim world. And I, I, I would like to just read the titles of some chapters. Deliver Us from Evil, The Worst Marriage in Syria, Marry Him or Your Mother Dies, mm-hmm. The Liar from Lebanon, Hopeless, Then Jesus Arrived. These are true accounts of miraculous happenings in the Middle East. And I can't get over, Kathy, the story of Muhammad and Dina because, you know, I think that in our little tiny worlds, we get wrapped up in our own lives and our own stuff. And we might look at our marriage and think, oh, he's not what he should be. Or, oh, I can't believe he did that or whatever. And it's meaningless or minuscule compared to what these women are going through in the Middle East. They're beaten for existing, mm-hmm. literally for existing. Um, they have to put up with their husband mm-hmm. um, sleeping with multiple other women, wives, quote, I'll use that quote unquote wives in, in their own home. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I can I can only imagine the hatred Dina had for her husband Mohammed during that time in the book she she talks about how she wants to kill him. She is literally dreaming up of ways to kill him. To get out of this horrific situation that she's in. She, she that's how far she had slipped i mean she is willing to forfeit her own life in order to end his and she sees that as her only way out and i mean i love what she comments what what she looks at after jesus gets a hold of muhammad's heart and completely changes him and dina at first is like unconvinced what is happening to this wretched man and um, after almost a year dina then comes to Christ as well. and Well, she said she was even like seething with anger. She saw Muhammad's joy yeah. and his kindness, and she was like, what? You know, she's still so angry, which I'm sure I would be too, mm-hmm. until Jesus got a hold of her. Yeah. I mean, even when, when the beatings ended, when he stopped beating her and he stopped going and, and sleeping with these 66 other wives and stopped adding to that number, and Jesus completely turned his, his life around. The hatred so much had a hold of her heart that until she was able to let it go, she wasn't, there was not room in her heart for right. Jesus because the hatred was there. And, you know, right. it just made me think about the United States today, friends. And I wonder how many of us are just holding on to mm-hmm. hatred. How many of us are mm-hmm. reading the headlines that just stoke hatred? How many of us are um, so easily offended that anything we hear stirs bitterness and hatred in our heart. And that is something that will completely consume you. And Dina compares this sin of hatred. She said that, that emotionally and spiritually, her hatred made her worse off mm-hmm. than this husband of hers who beat her and slept with other women. And I think, you know, that is what hatred does. I mean, it completely consumes us to where we can never be the person that we are meant to be, that we can never be seekers of anything good because we hold on so fiercely to um, to bitterness and, and ill intent. 
And so, I mean, it, anyway, sometimes I think when we read these stories, they do read like fiction, yet they are nonfiction. Mm-hmm. And what I love is it helps me to take my look at my, at my own heart, mm-hmm. saying, okay, Jesus, what am I holding on to and not willing to let go of? And it's keeping my life from fully embracing uh, the life that you would have for me. And when we talk about risk and women who risk, are we willing to risk letting go of those things that we are holding on to that is keeping us from the life that Christ would have for us? Mm-hmm. I remember about six years ago, uh, we had some uh, contact with uh, men in Dallas uh, and four couples that had worked uh, to bring them to the, to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And there were 600 of them at one time that had been com- really convicted that Jesus is real. He has a plan for life. And he has the power to give that power to you. Mm-hmm. And when you think about that, men don't normally seek out, but 600 of them did. It's about 5,000 for a big thing they had. And I, I, I thought about that at the time. What is it? that we are not doing to meet the needs of the internationals. Of course, at Hyde Park, we, you know, we did it with wise, uh, and sometimes we had fights, but it, um, it got to the point it was not popular anymore, and after uh, 50 years of doing that uh, in different ways at Hyde Park, um, heaven was made greater. <laughs> and I, I think today, by our program today, that could be true because they are here. They're not in Dallas and Fort Worth and that part. They are here at the university. Then it gives us a challenge to be Christ to them in a way they can understand. Well, this is one of the things that Joanne shares that I love. She says, you know, uh, these Muslim women, when you're, when you're, when you're in the grocery store and you see one, Just let them know, I see you. Look at them and smile and say hello. It may be the one word of kindness that they get all day. And, you know, I I do love that Tom said, oh, hey, we we have met Muslim couples who have happy marriages and good marriages. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about the majority of what they go through day in and day out, it becomes, I, I just think you can be a fresh, a fresh tall glass of Southern iced tea <laughs> in the grocery store to these ladies to smile and um, say hello to them, be willing to engage them. And uh, friends, what do you think about inviting someone over to your house before Easter and sharing with them what mm-hmm. Easter is all about? That's a big challenge. Well, you know, Tom said, are we just comfortable? You know, we just go sit in the pew and go, oh, well, that was a good sermon. I think I think it was better than last week, right? Is that all we're doing? You know, gosh, this is so convicting because, you know, when you look at Dina and everything she'd been through, and she says that the darkness of sin, only Jesus illuminates brightly through the darkness of that sin. And miracles are God's way of mm-hmm. opening our eyes to his salvation, for lost souls. And, you know, we don't want to get comfortable. Are we okay with risking believing in a miracle working Jesus? Because I don't know if we are. Are we just so comfortable that all we want to do is go and critique the sermon? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's so convicting to me. If not for ourselves, then Dina says, Are we seeking to share the good news to those who have not yet heard of Jesus? And she says this is where her and her husband see miracles. You know, Kathy, there there are opportunities all around us every single day to share the love of Mm -hmm. Jesus. And are we willing to ask the Lord a hard prayer? Lord, open my eyes Mm -hmm. to what's around me. Because when you ask it, you better be you better be ready to receive the answer. Because he's gonna open our eyes to everything that's around us, and it will probably break our hearts. And are we willing to have our heart broken for Jesus? I mean, it's what Easter is. 
that's what Easter is, Miss Evelyn. Um, God sending his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for us. I'm sure that broke God's heart, but he knew that that was the path for a living, breathing Savior to be able to come 2,000 years later and appear to people in the Middle East and say, I'm Jesus, here I am. Loved that, too, how Tom said, you don't, you don't see these people that Jesus appears to in the Middle East going, hmm, is that the devil or is that Jesus? Yeah. yeah. They know that's Jesus. Yeah. I'm just, I'm so blown away by their hearts. I mean, are, are we are we willing to take that next step? He is so cheerful. He is. <laughs> yeah, he is. Well, and I just, you know, I'm just sitting here and just thinking, oh, boy, you know, what would I do if right. I had an assignment like he has? He has an assignment of love. Well, and friends, I, I want to tell you, if you're sitting here saying, what are they talking about? And you have missed our first and second segment. You want to go to our archives at lovetalknetwork.com. Gavin keeps these things updated for us, all of these programs updated for us. So you're, if you're listening to this on a Saturday or you're live streaming or, or driving, listening to radio, and you want to get those first two segments, go and go to lovetalk.com. LoveTalkNetwork.com, and you can pull up the program from March 13th. It is Women Who Risk with Tom and Joanne Doyle, and you can listen to the full program. You're going to want to do that, and you're going to want to share that with those around you. Friends, we have had an incredible time. If you want to know about giving your life to Christ, if you want to know about the transformation uh, that we have been talking about, if you want your eyes open, you keep seeking, and this is easy as A, B, C. You admit that you're a sinner. You believe that Jesus Christ is God's son, and you confess your faith in Jesus Christ. It is honestly as easy as that. You go tell someone, you share that good news of the change that's been in your life, you pick up a Bible, and if you don't have one, you call us on the love line, and we will send you a Bible you call us at 512-249-6535. Uh, you can email us. You can email me, Kathy, at letspraytoday.com. You can come and email us to the lovetalknetwork.com. Friends, it has been a great Saturday. We have loved being with you. Uh, for Coach Carrie uh, Brinkater and the First Lady of Love, Mrs. A- Evelyn Davison, I'm Kathy Endebrock. We will look forward to being with you next week again on Love Talk.